Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Andre, the Well, listen, it is the shoot arrow, so I have to be honest with everyone and start off with some rather big news. I uh, I called SGG this week, and I told him that his lack of stats has become ridiculous, embarrassing. The fact that he tried to serve me cookies the other day, which were completely just destroyed into weird brownie dirt, is repugnant. And for that, I made him a member of the Kiss My Ass Club, and Stat Guy Greg has been fired. So that is the bad news. But the good news is he's been replaced already by a man who apparently was in need of some work right now, needed to fill some time, Leo Rush, taking over for Stack Guy Greg. How are you, Leo? I'm doing pretty good, Peter. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I think this is I, – I, I feel bad about having to can Greg this week, but then at the same time, I know he loves you so much that I think he'll be just as happy that it's your job now. Oh, yeah. This was meant to happen. You know, it was my day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's Leo Rush's day. Yeah. It's your time to shine. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into the week of professional wrestling uh, and talk about the things that happen on TV. And Leo has told me he didn't see everything this week, so I'm going to fill you in on some of the things that happened. Okay. Um, by the way, I, I think this week, I'm going to start right here. It was one of the best Raws I've seen in a very long time. Um, in some ways, I thought it was even better than the episode... The Lashley Strowman destruction episode that everyone enjoyed. In some ways, I think Monday was a more complete episode. It was like a, it was a full episode with storytelling, didn't do anything too crazy, but important characters doing important things in every segment pretty much. Yes. Which, I like the sound of that. that is what you're looking for. Like, give me people I care about doing things that I care about and you will have a happy Peter Rosenberg watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and that's what you got. So we'll get to that, but I want to start off. Um, and we also, of course, we'll get to the news of, and that I would love to hear your insight on and we'll get there about NXT moving to USA okay. to go up against AEW, which should be fascinating. So we'll get, we'll get to that. But first of all, I just want to start with you. We, we're from the same neck of the woods. You're from the DMV, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where exactly are you from? Uh, I'm from PG County. I, uh, I was born in Chevrolet, Maryland. Oh, beautiful, uh, beautiful Chevrolet, yeah, Maryland. Yeah, I grew up Chevrolet, Maryland, uh, and then went back and forth from DC and, uh, New Carrollton. Wow. Yeah. Um, and where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to school in Lanham, Maryland. So I went to Duval. Oh, I went school. to Duval. Okay. Um, I, I worked in Lanham for years and years. I mean, I, sp- I spent, uh, too much time in Lanham, Maryland. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I worked at uh, WPGC was in Lanham. Yeah. And then later when I worked at Radio 1 for XM, they were in Lanham. Mm. Uh, down the other side, so I was always in Lanham. Um, New Carrollton, for people who don't know, 
probably most well known for being a, a, the train destination. Yes. Um, that's the, if you're not from New Carrollton, that's why you're in New Carrollton. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. to go to the Amtrak. <laughs> um, and what sports did you play in high school? I played so many different sports. Uh, I mean, growing up, I played baseball, basketball, football. I mean, I tried it. I tried them all, but uh, I stuck with um, baseball when I got to high school, and then I transitioned over to amateur wrestling. So amateur wrestling was my number one sport in high school that I did from freshman through uh, senior year. Were, what was your? What were you like a center fielder, leadoff man, and and baseball? What was your? I was uh, I was really quick, really quick. So they always had me in that hot spot with like third base or shortstop. Okay, and then sometimes I was uh, an outfielder, like center, center or left field. And you were a leadoff kind of batter or, or dependent? Uh, yeah, I was. I was about. I just see you batting first with the speed. Yeah, That's I was it... like first or second. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it did ultimately. Why did you then make a switch to wrestling? Why did you decide that was the move? Um, just because I, I got burnt out really quick. Um, I played baseball since I was about five, six years old, and then by the time I got to high school, you know, my my elbow was hurting. I was uh, I was burnt out from you know it. It wasn't fun for me anymore. It just got like too much and i knew that i didn't want to be like an mlb or like play baseball in college or anything and um i was always attracted to uh wrestling professional wrestling wwe and um like some of my favorites in wwe were amateur wrestlers and i kind of wanted to follow you know their footsteps and uh pursue amateur wrestling to kind of get that you know background how big how big a wrestling fan were you as a kid oh huge huge and who were you obsessed with like who was who were the action figures or the 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 ones you were most into. Oh man, this is gonna sound weird because I worked with these guys. Now, no, no, so. that's, that's what makes I the mean, dream. I mean, you're yeah, a kid yeah, compared guess, to them, so I guess so. Um, I, I, mean, I can guess. You said amateur wrestling, so yeah, obviously Kurt Angle comes to mind. Kurt, Ang- yeah, definitely Kurt Angle. Shelton Benjamin Shelton comes Benjamin, to mind. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, but weirdly enough, like my obsession was kind of Jeff Hardy. Like mm. he's what kind of pushed me out there to do it because it just looked fun when he did it it looked fun like, that's a great way of putting it yeah like and and i don't know like just watching him come out and seeing all of those people like cheering for like one person like mm-hmm. it was it was crazy it was a different you know experience watching that than like playing on like a team and like you know, like who are, who are there all these people like cheering for like i don't know right. for me like <laughs> so i don't know it was cool watching jeff hardy go out there that is an interesting contrast though because you you talk about amateur wrestling you go on to do amateur wrestling and then jeff is like the epitome of i mean he was an amateur wrestler but an amateur <laughs> yeah, professional yeah. wrestler yeah, exactly. you know he was always a backyard wrestler yeah, not a traditional on his body everywhere no no like real like technique like grab no there. although he ended up it's so interesting you know he ended up getting to work so well with so many people yeah um, he's he really is um you know i know he's had some some trouble again recently and i really i really send my best out to him because i know he's had his demons and it's mm. always been a fight yeah but man what a good dude and what a i mean at his biggest moments mm. he he was just larger than life yeah you know the the randy orton feud was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, when he actually won the world title was amazing. Of course, the ladder matches, um, with Edge and Christian and those guys and everything. He just had an unbelievable, a really unbelievable run. And frankly, you know, when he's healthy, he's still pretty damn good. Yeah. Did you get to interact with him much? I did. Um, backstage I did. I, unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to work with him, like in the ring. Did and you tell him you were a fan? Like, did you get to talk about it? Or I no? did when I was on the independent circuit. I mm-hmm. was on a couple of shows with him. Um, and I got the opportunity to, you know, tell him, Hey, I, I like 
grew up watching you. I admire you. Like you're the reason, a big reason why I started uh, professional wrestling. And, uh, it was cool to like actually sit there. And, and I think it was only like me and him in the room when it happened too. So it was a pretty cool moment. Now, how, how old that. are you? How old are you now? I'm 24. 24 years old. You have been signed to WWE since you were what, 21 or something? 22. I think. Yeah, 22. And, and what was your road to getting there? How did, I mean, that even by today's standards, mm. You got signed at a very young age. Yes. And then you got fast-tracked to the main roster in a way that almost no one appears to do these days. So what was your path to actually ending up there? It was, uh, it it was rough. Like the, the starting out point was, um, was pretty difficult from, uh, kind of falling back on, on school and, uh, well, falling out of school. (laughs) And then, um, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do next. You know, I had a newborn. Um, I was, I was supposed to go in the army. I kind of like backed out like last minute because, uh, you know, I just didn't feel, I just felt like something was missing and I wasn't going in the path that, uh, I wanted to or dreamed of since I was little. So, well, let's start here. Why did you think you wanted to join the military? Um, cause that is not an option I've ever considered. So I I'm curious to why military, you uh, military it. family. So okay. my, my, my grandfather, my, my dad, my mom, my grandmother, like everybody. So you're trying to there. figure out where to go and it just seemed like a potentially logical thing to do yeah. career wise. Yeah, definitely. But you decided this is not. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. I was playing sports my whole life and then the kind of just like throw that all away to just say, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, go in the military. I don't know. It just felt weird to me. So, um, I searched for, you know, different, uh, training schools in the area. There weren't any. And, um, I, uh, eventually decided to go to Full Sail University, which is so weird. Uh, now that I'm there now, but <laughs> you went, you went there for I school. Went, yeah. I, so I was, I didn't uh, even know there was an actual college there. I just <laughs> thought it was a place to have yeah, NXT tapes. <laughs> um, I was interested in being a, a videographer. I, I did film all throughout my, like my, my teenage years. Um, and I wanted to, uh, be like a film director. So I studied cinematography for a while. And then once I, I found out that, um, Maryland, uh, was opening up a new training school, um, I left Florida, went back home and, um, started to train there. And I got actually introduced, um, about that school by, uh, Patrick Clark, who's Velveteen Dream now. Um, he's the one who told me about the school and, uh, where exactly is dream from again? Uh, he's from the same area, PG County. PG2? I think, uh, what is that area? Hyattsville. Hyattsville? I want to say. Yeah. yeah. I think Hyattsville. Hyattsville is right near college park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy. First of all, so you went to full sail university mm. and then didn't do anything wrestling related there. No. Came back to Maryland yeah. and did the wrestling stuff in Maryland. It's funny because I, the reason why I wanted to go to Full Sail was because obviously because of the the video stuff, and then um, that was the same year where the Performance Center was opening up. So I thought, like, oh man, I kind of get the like the best of both worlds. I get to you know go train at the Performance Center, and I get to you know do my video stuff. And then I kind of got discouraged when I was in school because I found out that you know the PC wasn't just some place where you can sign up right, right, right. <laughs> and wrestle. So, uh, yeah, I was just like, man, I don't want to, I don't want why am I here? Like I want to find somewhere to, to wrestle. So, um, that's why I stopped going to full sale, went back home. And so you're uh, now what, 19 years old or so at that point? Yes. Yes. 18 turning 19. And what's the school in Maryland you ended up going to? Um, 
MCW. Okay, it's MCW. Yeah, Maryland Championship Wrestling. Now, the MCW had all, had always been running shows. They opened a school, yeah. though? Got yeah. it. Okay. So they opened a school, and was Dream there as well? We No. It was, we were the first class, uh, and it's so crazy because that first class was pretty much everybody that's in WWE right now. Uh, it was me. It was Patrick, uh, Velveteen Dream, um, Jessica Carr, who's a referee in NXT, mm-hmm. uh, Renee Michelle, who is the wife of Drake Maverick. Wow. <laughs> and uh, man, it, it's so crazy how many people came out of that first class, but that was the first class. Who was the it, trainer? The trainer. Um, we had a few that, that went in and out. Uh, Pat Brink, he uh, had two developmental contracts with the WWE, and he started training us alongside of uh rj meyer uh aka the bruiser mm-hmm. um and uh dean gutrich so we had three trainers there and how long are you training before you get your opportunity to get in front of a crowd and see what it feels like uh first first match um i was seven months in so that was uh i trained for about seven months before i got my first opportunity well actually that's not true i want to say uh i actually got an opportunity to step in the ring before I even started training and it was definitely a mistake. How did you in what context did you step in the ring? <laughs> I um so Patrick's cousin was already in the business and Patrick used to go to shows with him and then eventually I met Patrick and then I started to go to shows with Patrick and his cousin and um they needed an extra body for a battle royal and I just so happened to be with Patrick and his cousin and I remember uh <laughs> I took a choke slam from Gene Snitsky. No. So you can no, imagine, no. <laughs> you can imagine, uh, not being trained, not knowing how to take a bump and getting choke slammed from about maybe eight, nine feet in the air. By Snitsky. By Snitsky. That is so yeah. tight and terrible at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. How bad did it hurt? Oh, bad. I think I got a concussion from it. Yeah. I definitely think I did. <laughs> And, um, but Snitsky must have been psyched because you weigh like 130 pounds. Oh, yeah, pounds. for sure. He helped me up yeah. first for about a good two seconds before he put now, me down. Now, here's the thing that I always wonder about. If you have no real wrestling experience mm. or none at all yeah. to speak of, and you're small, how do you take the bump over the top rope? I was so scared of that. Th- that's what I thought about the entire time I was in the ring. As, as anyone <laughs> would. Like, if, if one day someone was like, hey, Rosenberg, come to an indie show. We want to do a little gimmick where you get tossed in a yeah. battle royal. I'd be like, who's training me to take the bump over yeah. the top rope? Because I watch professionals do it, and every once in a while, you see their back just land on the corner of the apron. Exactly. I'm like, I never want that to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, so how did it end up playing it out? It was one of those indie shows when you where the ring wasn't all that good, and you could see the wood kind of like oh. poking out of the mat. And I was like, man, I, so I told Patrick to stand outside and I got pressed over and Patrick caught me. All right. <laughs> so, that, well, that's the one you, that's yeah, what you have yeah, to do. I had, I had that to. is the safest route. Yeah. You have to, you have to be caught. <laughs> um, so, okay. So months later though, you get an opportunity to really work. Now, by the time you have your first match, do you know what you're doing? Do you think you're like remotely competent or looking back, were you still terrible? I was, I was, I was confident just because like I was confident in my like athletic ability. Uh, that I wouldn't like hurt myself or, or anything like that. Um, which I actually ended up hurting myself twice in that match. Good job. <laughs> um, what happened? Uh, I remember getting thrown over the top, uh, like a bendera over out of the corner and landing on the apron. But when I landed on the apron, my hand slipped off the rope and I took a back bump on the floor. 
And then the second time I got hurt in that match, it was I took a kitchen sink, which is which is like a knee to the gut, and I did like a front flip, but I tried to be all fancy with my flip, and I uh, tried to do like a swanton. Like into like a back bump, right? And I just completely landed on my head. Okay, That's <laughs> yeah. So, but you survived. I survived. I survived. It and, was a cool experience. And how how long did you end up staying at MCW? Um, until I got um picked up by uh, ROH. And how long? How often were you guys running shows at MCW? I would say about at that time. I think we were running about two to three times a month. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I mean, listen, I know we're not living in the territory days of wrestling, mm. but like, you hear about stuff like that, and like, yes, I know it's small. What was the average attendance for something like that? Like 100, 150? Like, no, MC, we were spoiled. We were so spoiled because- Even on regular shows, you're getting more than that. Yeah, we were, we were at least drawing about five, six. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. To be doing that regularly? Yep. So, I mean, that, that actually is sort of close to living territory life maybe without driving around yeah, but like yeah. having a place that's used to seeing you over and over again so you can build a character exactly and um did people take to your character and who was the original character i didn't have one okay. <laughs> i didn't i don't think i did have one um i was uh we well i started off in a tag team that was that was uh, uh how me and patrick became so close um we were in a tag team called sudden impact and you know, we were just, I guess the, the character was two young, you know, athletes that just started out, just graduated out of uh, training school and we're trying to like make a name for ourselves. It wasn't really so much character based. We had like cool track suits and came out looking like a, like a team, like a unit. So that was pretty much. You it. went to the default cool black dudes tag. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Hey, that move's still being utilized well yeah, to this exactly. day. <laughs> um, and did you, how did you guys get over as a tag team? The, the two of you? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was crazy how, how fast we, um, we got noticed from a lot of people. Um, we, we didn't stay in Maryland too much. We, we wanted to kind of like venture out and we, we landed a couple of shows in like the New York, New York area. We, uh, went in Pennsylvania. We worked for uh, Samu and that kind of, you know, built our confidence up a little bit, kind of started to get some, uh, some eyes and attention on us. And then, um, once we, uh, started, you know, rocking and rolling, Patrick gets a call from WWE saying that he's going to be on tough enough. And that was kind of like the end of that. And we, so we were, we were a team for a little under a year. So it wasn't that long, but that time that we had, um, we definitely, you know, made an impact. No pun intended. <laughs> Sudden impact of you. So what, 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 so what ended up being the actual call for you to WWE? How did that happen? Uh, how did that happen? It was, it was so random because I remember I didn't, I was uh I was coming up on my on my contract with with Ring of Honor and I knew that I didn't want to be there anymore and I kind of wanted to go overseas so I didn't re-sign with Ring of Honor. How long did you spend with Ring of Honor? A year. Okay. A year. You just felt you'd done enough. You felt you at that point you had gotten that vibe enough? No. I don't know. I I don't feel like that that'll seem like a bad way to say it, but I don't know. I feel like I've always been like the kind of person uh where if I do something, um, even if it's for like a short amount of time, like that's on my resume for the rest of my life. Like, okay, I did this. I did this. Let me move on to the next thing. I did this. Let me move on to the next thing. And just like kept building my resume. So I felt like I, I had a pretty, you know, 
uh, purposeful and impactful, you know, run in Ring of Honor, just enough to kind of like get my, my name out there a little more and, um, you know, be able to learn and wrestle from, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world. And I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to wrestle overseas and I knew that Ring of Honor would help me, you know, build that name to potentially get booked overseas and which that ended up happening. So I spent about three months um, in Europe and then uh, spent a, like a, a little under a month in like Mexico and then about a month in Canada. So I was all over the place. And then um, WWE, you know, took notice to that. I had a couple of cool matches that, that uh, went viral, a couple of clips that um, grabbed people's attention. And then I got the call from WWE that they were going to be uh, bringing me up with um, a few familiar faces that, that I knew from uh, Ring of Honor. So that was pretty, it was pretty cool. And uh, I don't even recall, what was your exact trajectory at WWE? You went to NXT, for, you went to the PC, mm-hmm. and then how long before you're on television? It wasn't, it was not that uh, long. I want to say six months I was in NXT for, and then um, that's when I got the call that they wanted to put me on 205 Live. And then I was on 205 Live for about a good two to three months. And then I got a random call saying that, hey, we need you at Raw uh, like next week. Or not even, I think it was like the same week they said that they need me on Raw. So, well, so I remember I remember that first Raw. Yeah. And I remember like it happened so fast that I remember like from the time you appeared mm. in WWE – and I think we like tweeted or communi- we communicated in some way. Yeah. And then I saw you at some point, mm. you know, backstage or somewhere NXT related. I was, it happened so fast that I always figured like I'll have time to build with him before he even is yeah. on the TV. <laughs> and then I looked up and I was like, wait, he's already on TV. I, yeah. I, I, I thought I, I thought like I just didn't see it playing out that way. I'm like, whoa, I assume there'd be a year, two mm-hmm. years at NXT. And then you ended up being one of the random people. And this does happen from mm-hmm. time to time where the NXT stint is super short. Yeah. And then in your case, the 205 live run still relatively short. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're showing up one day at Raw. What's What's that day like when you show up at Raw and you 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 don't know what you're doing? I'm sure no. when you get there. So it, like, how does that play out that day? That the whole day, I was uh, I mean, I was ready, but I was definitely nervous. Um, I saw a lot of people that I grew up watching on television, like backstage, because this is my first time, you know. Uh, Especially on Raw, like like SmackDown was a little like more like laid back. I didn't I didn't really see uh, a lot of people because you were shooting two five live after five after SmackDown, okay. so everybody was like gone. And then um, you know getting to Raw and like seeing like okay, this is the big like three hour show. Like you got you got like Paul Heyman over here, you got Vince, you got you know you know like Brock, you got Cena. Like I just saw like so many like big names like backstage, and I was I was kind of like freaking out i didn't even know that i was going to be with bobby uh until i got there and then once they uh they kind of told me what the deal was going to be and i was like so am i like his manager or am i like what are we a tag team and then he was like oh no we want you to be like his hype man and that kind of like threw me for a loop because like the only time i hear about hype men are like on like a hip-hop like concert or something yes <laughs> so a perfor- yeah a rapper yeah, generally yeah. has a hype man with him so i was uh i was a little confused about that and then 
um, this was the first day that I met Heyman. Um, well, actually the second, because he actually popped in on a promo class that I was doing in NXT, which was pretty cool. So this second time around getting to meet Paul was, uh, was him kind of like prepping me for what's about to happen. So he, um, he helped me out a lot with kind of like building this character and, um, you know, making it go in the direction where it's supposed to go. And I would just remember like rehearsing it and like trying to get myself in this character that I'm not like used to playing. And I knew that I was going to be like on air and like, two hours and i'm like man this is this is nerve-wracking <laughs> you're, you're like how is this show that i've watched my whole life and i've this is like a dream i'm here now and i have to go on in like two like i have to prepare for this in two hours yeah like a how is that how the sausage is made like you just never would have guessed no that that's what's happening and also you have now have to figure out how to do it and and you somehow did yeah i mean like i really think your 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 entire run on raw i thought was very impactful. Did mm. people generally seem pleased with what you were doing? They, it was definitely different. I, I feel like people didn't really know how to react because me coming out, my first appearance was on Raw was me coming out cutting a promo in front of Elias, and people were just like, "Who's this? Who, who is this guy?" Like, because not it doesn't happen very often yeah. that, that, that that happens. A new face just walks out on Raw and cuts a promo. Yeah, it's not every day. And uh, you know, I was saying my stick, like I'm a 24 year old piece of gold. I'm the man of the hour, and people were like. Like who? Because <laughs> right. like, people didn't watch. Uh, like a lot of those fans didn't watch two or five. So I'm kind of like re. You're brand new, myself. Right? Yeah. So um, it was it was rough getting into that into that character because I was playing a completely different person on two or five. I was like this like badass like heel like cocky, and then now I'm like this like corny like guy like hyping up somebody i don't know it was it was super weird do you feel that it was just hard for you to get into the mindset of playing that like did the characters have to be very different or was it was it also in your head because you're like i'm hyping someone else as opposed to just hyping leo rush yeah yeah i remember bobby telling me like he because he was trying to help me out a lot with this too and he was just saying just pretend like you're talking to yourself like just hype yourself up like everything that you say about me like believe that you're saying that about yourself so i was trying to like like it was it was the it was one of the weirdest things i've ever probably ever done uh as far as like getting myself like prepped up for like a, a character um especially in that amount of time that i had now, and were you do you think the character eventually got somewhere like were you happy with where it ended oh, up oh yeah i think it was it was magic i feel like it was definitely something that hasn't been done before um you know like having a, a manager that that's talking at the same time doing all these flips and flops everywhere and like it, it was cool and we got to um a lot of the things that we did on social media um like the videos and stuff we kind of planned that out ourselves and kind of pushed that out and then um because i think it was kind of a filling out process for wwe too like they they knew they knew that i could cut a promo they knew that bobby had the looks and you know that that uh that stature that j would just look so cool and side by side of like a five four like guy <laughs> right so uh and you can bump yeah so everything that we put out on social media was kind of us just like throwing stuff to the wall and seeing what sticks and uh stuff caught on and then eventually like commentary started talking about the stuff that we were doing on on social media so 
it, it was it was pretty cool. We had a lot of uh, creative uh, leverage with it just because there wasn't there wasn't like a clear plan. Um, I think it was just we got this guy. We got this guy. They look good together. Uh, he can talk. Let's see what they can do. Um, OK, so I want to jump ahead so we can spend a little bit of time talking about this week. And um, and I want to ask you about your music and stuff Definitely. like that, because I know you have other things you work on um, that you're passionate about. Um, so where do you stand right now with WWE? Uh, right now, um, I'm still with the company. Uh, I'm home enjoying some time with the kids, with my family, with my wife, uh, working on projects that I've always wanted to work on now that I have the time to actually do that. Um, you know, everybody is, uh, everybody's not always on TV. There's always, you always have your certain, you know, spots and you have your certain characters and what's hot now and, you know, what's going to be hot later. And, um, right now it's not my time. <laughs> uh, it was when me and Bobby were working together and we, uh, were able to do and accomplish so many great things. And the amount of time that we had, I think it was about six, seven months. We were on raw every week, almost like two to three promo segments every week, every pay-per-view. So it was awesome. Um, I know Bobby's out with injury right now and, uh, yeah, I'm just working on some, uh, some music doing some, uh, things that I've always wanted to do. So you're hopeful that we will see you on TV at some point again. You just don't know when that's going to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm only 24 years old. You know, I'm, uh, my, my heart is still in wrestling. Uh, it's still my dream. It's still a passion of mine. And, and is the communication line open between you and WWE? Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, Cause listen, I, I know that there are probably going to be people listening who are like, you know, dig into what happened because <laughs> we definitely reported on it. You know, the, the questions that were out there about mm. things people had said about you and, but to me, and maybe this is me turning 40 years old this year, yeah. and just I just don't have a really deep interest in digging into the dirt yeah. of what happened. I know what WWE is like. Mm. I know that there are amazing things about it, and there are complicated things about it. And I frankly just want to get to see you more on TV. So I, I think the I think the best play for me as a as a biased broadcaster yeah. who wants to see more of Leo Rush is not focusing on. Honestly, getting into it really won't benefit anyone except my audience. So I admit that there are people out there who will think I'm an actual hack because they want to be entertained right now by uh, your stories. But frankly, to me, I don't really care that much. I really just hope that you get back on TV. Um, so tell me a little bit. I want to get into Raw this week um, and the NXT news. But tell me a little bit about your music, where people can find it, what kind of music you're you're doing, etc. Definitely. Um I've always wanted to do music ever since I was little. Uh, I grew up um, being in a, a family filled with musicians. Um, my parents were a gospel duet. Um, I'm not doing gospel now, but just um, having that uh, experience, you know, going to all of the shows growing up and like my room was right over top of my dad's studio and just listening to that music like pump through my vents like every night um, kind of. You know, I think that sent a message to me that this is maybe something that I'm supposed to be doing when I get older. Um, I grew interest in poetry uh, at a, a little younger age, and eventually that transitioned into uh, music. So I just released a single called Scenic Lullaby. Um, I, 
I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to call it hip hop because I feel like my style is just very uh, different, or very poetic. Um, See, a scenic lullaby doesn't scream hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like something different. Exactly, and, and it was something different. Uh, it started off as, as a poetry, and then I heard this beat one day, and I was like, "Man, this is uh, this is pretty cool." And then the situation that I was in, I felt like this was like the perfect opportunity to kind of you know put my story out there. Uh, kind of answer some questions that a lot of people have been asking but through music um a lot of the times uh things can get misinterpreted or uh, not taken the way that you want them to get taken because twitter is twitter and people make assumptions and create their own buzz and i wanted to kind of put something out there that uh not people can only like see but i wanted them to hear it and i wanted them to to feel where i was coming from so that's what i wanted to do so where can people find all your music they can well they can find scenic lullaby on all streaming platforms itunes spotify uh title everywhere Um, i also have a music video on youtube um you can type that up under leo rush under uh leo just leo l-i-o yes sir all right so if people go to spotify or wherever to search for just type in l-i-o and they can find the music yes scenic lullaby um okay that's dope man um and i I need to check that out and see the new video as well definitely you've had a a, you've had a few videos now right um i did a video last year uh i was on a feature with uh a buddy of mine dreddy uh, it's called Money Money. Right, right, right. And um, this is a different. This is a different vibe. This is a different Scenic vibe. Lullaby from Money Money. <laughs> this is a different vibe. Yeah, definitely. All right. So real quick, let's start with the the outside the ring news of the week, which is that NXT will be heading to USA on Wednesdays to run up against um, AEW. First of all, just what's your thought when you hear that news? Um, I think it's huge. I think uh, that's an incredible opportunity for everybody there. Um, I know that there's so many guys in, in NXT right now, so many guys and girls in NXT, and I know that a lot of people have been there for a while, and they've been, like, grinding and working hard and, you know, wanting to, you know, because the whole thing when you get in NXT is they tell you when you get here, your goal is to get out, to get on, like, Raw, SmackDown, and those big shows. And this changes that. And it this completely changes that. That's a great point. It, it, it by nature, that. changes it. Yep. You don't need to now aspire the same way to leave NXT if you're on television. Exactly. It's no, and, and by the way, this feeds into people's biggest fear about this news. Mm. So my group chat, the Jew World Order, everyone started arguing <laughs> about this move because yeah. Stack Guy Greg, um, who has since been fired from the show, um, cause Stack Guy Greg, uh, he, you know, he thought it was a good idea and he thought it could work. To, and then other people were like, dude, the second this becomes a TV show mm. for real, Vince McMahon's level of interest in it is different and everything changes. Like this yeah. just can't operate the same way. I think that remains to be seen, you know, how much control Vince McMahon has over the product versus Triple H. But I will say that what you just pointed out by its very nature does change what the product is. Yeah. For that sure. it can be an ending point for people now, yep. not a starting point. Now the uh, upside I see is honestly for someone like you, mm. you know, like it, if if three months from now they're thinking like we want to find a way to bring back Leo, we don't know where to go. Raw's this and that, SmackDown's this and that. Mm. Someone like you shows up to NXT after now not being there for a year and a half. Yeah, you could have a huge. It could be huge, and it would now be on television. Yeah, it wouldn't be just on the network. Like it does create some cool opportunities in that regard. I think it does allow there to be a more seamless transition from NXT to the other shows, but. 
As someone put it the other day in the group chat, maybe I don't remember who it was, but someone said, yeah, let's see how you feel about it when you see um, – they were like, when you see, you know, Adam Cole job to Baron Corbin on NXT. And I was like, and I understood the point that he was making, yeah. that it's a scary thought to know like, oh, we don't know who what to do with this guy on Raw. It's not really happening. Just put him in NXT. Mm. And you don't want to do that. Yeah, you want yeah. NXT to stay special. You yeah. know, the show that it is right now is a damn good show. Yeah. Um, and by the way, well, I can't say that Greg's going to be back next week because that would ruin the fact that he's fired. But if Greg ever returns <laughs> to the show, we will finally break down TakeOver, which we still haven't talked about. So I do think this is really interesting news. And I'll say another thing. No matter what anyone says, and I don't believe that AEW is a true quote-unquote threat, mm. it is being taken seriously. Yeah, for sure. I mean, NXT is moving <laughs> yeah. to TV on Wednesdays? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, that's not coincidental. Yeah. Um, now, maybe it's to stunt because it's to be like, hey – Run your biggest show against us. We'll run our third show against you and mm-hmm. win, which is really cool. But what happens if it doesn't? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a pretty cool situation. You I, know? It's, it's a win for us as wrestling fans. As, especially, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just speaking for myself just because I'm, I'm, I'm young and I, I didn't really get into watching wrestling until that kind of like attitude era. Um, I wasn't watching her the Monday Night Wars. To be yeah, honest with you. I really wasn't. So I feel you. Yeah, so it, it was just cool to like hear about that kind of stuff and like watching back on like old DVDs and stuff like that and just seeing how it was. Com- I mean, competition's amazing for business. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested to see how how everything plays out. Just to watch it as a fan. You have any? You have any? Um, cl- I'm, I'm assuming you obviously have close friends in AEW. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I've worked with. Um, I'm guessing almost everybody. If not, yeah, yeah. everybody, uh, on the independence. What do you, th- have you gotten, now. have you checked out the product yet? Have uh, you seen yeah, AW? I'm pretty close friends with Joey Janela. So, uh, he's, uh, he, he's doing his thing. Like every, ever since he, I want to say definitely Joey is one of the main reasons, probably why I'm in the situation that I'm in today with being signed with WWE. Why is um, that? Just because I feel like he kind of gave me a confidence that I feel like I didn't have or I didn't feel like I was ready to have at that stage in my wrestling career. Um, I had so many matches with him and he always pushed me to my limit. Um, not even just physically, but mentally before we went out there. Um, and just majority of the clips that did go viral with, with, uh, with me eventually getting signed with WWE has been with Joey. So he, uh, he's definitely helped me. Uh, progress to the professional roster. I mean, let's be honest. In real life, the bad boy Joey Janela <laughs> is really kind of the nice guy, internet, intentional internet troll, Joey yeah. Janela. <laughs> yeah. <it laughs> That's what I found funny. in my limited experiences with him. Um, so, um, so it will be a very, October is going to be a very interesting time in wrestling. I'm excited. Uh, now, by the way, uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Ariel Helwani, his MMA podcast. Uh, check it out. You can get it wherever you listen to any podcast. And I believe him and I are now having a battle of who gives, who gives the other one better shout outs. And I believe that my shout outs for Ariel's podcast are significantly better than his for mine. So I'm not forced to do it. I do this out of love for Ariel. Yeah. Um, are you, are you an, into MMA? Uh, I am. I'm 
You're not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan. I love watching it though. I was just watching like a, a women's fight last night or highlights of a women's fight last night and it was, it was incredible. This, this last weekend actually the card turned out to be really, really good, uh, at 241. Daniel Cormier upset, um, by Stipe Miocic. It was, uh, the return of Nate Diaz. Really interesting stuff. You can hear all about it with my boy Ariel Helwani, the MMA podcast, wherever you find podcasts. Now I want to get into, I don't have much time. Um, I want to get into Raw this week and why I thought it was so good. Um, Lawler filled in for Corey Graves, who's on vacation. Um, and they started the show in a way that I thought was sort of weird, which was Roman and Dolph, because I just assumed they were going to get right into King of the Ring. They didn't. Um, Roman and Dolph had a, had a nice match. Um, this was probably the least important thing that happened. Okay. You know, I said, I said it was a great night because important people did important things. Mm. I don't think the Roman Dolph match was terribly important. But I do think it was just good, a good wrestling match. It was just a solid match with, you know, important, you know, at least established names to start a show. Um, and they keep plugging that Sasha Banks is going to talk on the King's Court. Now, first of all, I thought that was really cool. It just gave me, every time there's a huge heel turn, the follow-up interview is always something. Yeah. You know, I've been watching 2005 recently when Shawn Michaels turned on Hulk Hogan. It was, we, uh. Um, I was there. When Mike, I was there. <laughs> was it in D.C.? Yes. Oh, yeah, it yes. was. That was in D.C. Yep. So you saw the super I kick. <laughs> no, it's so crazy. I was going, I, I was just saying this last week. You know, I think of 2005 being so late. Yo, Hogan was still so over in 2005. Yeah. Like it was, uh, he was, I mean, people, it's almost like they'd forgotten that he'd even, that he'd been around just two years earlier. Yeah, exactly. They were that excited when he <laughs> came back. Like, I saw the DC show, mm. and they were, the crowd was so amped, yeah. and it made the Sean turn so good. One thing that really bugged me out, though, is that in 2005, I thought of Shawn Michaels as being, like, senior in his career. Yeah. And, and now I realize he's, he was two years older than me now then. Oh, wow. He was 42. <laughs> and I was like, Sean, I mean, he's been around forever. But I guess we had really known him since the mid eighties. So uh-huh. it had been a long run. I mean, this is, of course, well before you were born, but you yeah. get the idea. Um, so they say that Sasha's going to be on with Lawler. They cut to Becky Lynch talking trash about Sasha. She cut a nice promo. Lawler comes out, ends up getting attacked by the fiend. Um, not the Fiend Morris, the Fiend Bray Wyatt, and um, Lawler gets laid out with a mandible claw. I have mixed feelings about the mandible claw being the, like the Bray Wyatt move. Oh, I'm sorry. I have I have mixed feelings on it. I I like it, but every I've been complaining a lot about KO using the stunner, and it's not a diss to the wrestlers personally. Yeah. I get it. It's more about the overall decision to, like, are you sure you want to go with a big character? Are you sure you want their finish mm. to be a move that you only... Like, I say Mandible Claw, it only means one thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you say stunner, it means one thing. I have concerns about that. But either way, I love the I love the spot. Lawler gets knocked out, so now what's going to happen? They announce that Sasha Banks will do an interview instead on her own. She ends up cut doing the interview backstage. It was very good. Kept it simple. Much better place, in my opinion, to, to work to Sasha's strengths. Mm. I would rather see her sitting in an interview like that backstage, I think, than holding a mic in the middle of the ring. I think it's a better place for her to perform and get her character across. Um, then you get Ricochet and The Miz. Um, versus Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Um, enjoyable match. Um, Miz and Ricochet get the win. 
Uh, and then they, they also tell us that all night that Braun Strowman's gonna take on AJ Styles. Um, you end up getting the first match in the tournament, Samoa Joe and Cesaro. Samoa Joe gets a win. First of all, I'm just happy to see Samoa Joe get a meaningful win at some point. Mm. You know, I, there, there's this tendency with guys who like we think of as being so dope, but they're always losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just never, it seems like a spot for them to win. Yeah. They're always getting utilized with other big names. And I thought it was nice to see Joe. I, I realized as I was watching it that Samoa Joe for King of the Ring would be a really, it's something I could picture. Yeah. Samoa Joe as King of the Ring would work. And he's never had the accolades, frankly, I think that his character is worthy of. They cut to the footage of your boy Drake Maverick sneaking up on um, Elias in a, a, music, a recording studio, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very funny bit for the 24-7 <laughs> championship. And Drake getting tossed all over a, a studio. And it was actually a real studio. Like, they didn't shoot it backstage with, like, yeah. just a green screen <laughs> and, like, one mixer. He was actually in a studio. I thought that was well done. Then they have a uh, 24-7 thing with Elias and, and uh, R-Truth, which was cool. It was fun. Then you get Rey Mysterio having an interview backstage where he's saying he's going to retire. Now, this was both the highlight and low point of Raw at the same time. I really enjoyed Ray's son coming out and the catalyst for Ray staying. Mm. His son being like, you said you would debut with me. So I love the idea that that means we're going to see Ray Mysterio's oh, wow. son. wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, that's a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, his actual mic work in that moment probably could have – we probably could have done that one more time, maybe okay. practice it one <laughs> other time before we tape that. Um, but I do love it from a story standpoint. And frankly, Ray has been great. Like, you could see tears in his eyes every time he's talking. Like, it just really resonates. Um, then you get New Day versus The Revival. Um, Orton run in. Orton hits everyone with RKOs and, and then ends up, they end up injuring Xavier Woods with Kofi being forced to watch being held by Randy Orton. Um, I like it. I like that they're giving some some meaning to the the Kofi Kingston Randy story. I do not like that on SmackDown the follow up. Kofi's Randy's thing that he's constantly saying about Kofi is that Kofi's stupid. I don't that I do not like. I don't understand it as a thing. Like Kofi's stupid. His character has never shown to be stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I just don't get it. Yeah. If they called him a goofball. Okay. Right. Yeah, I could, yeah, yeah. I could rock with that. You guys are goofy. Like you, you guys think it's all fun and games. Mm. You want to throw pancakes and eat cereal, but like you're a joke. That I'd be cool. Yeah, with. yeah. Stupid to me, just it doesn't work with me. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Something, guess, something yeah. doesn't. Something <laughs> doesn't feel right. I'm not into it. Um, Sasha Banks does her interview. Bliss Cross have a match with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They're not officially named Bliss Cross, but our <laughs> one of our listeners named them Bliss Cross, okay. and I've been running with it the entire time, and I think it's fantastic. Cedric Alexander and Sami Zayn um, in the tournament. Cedric advances. I'm not going to go through the rest of the show. We're almost done, but um, it just in describing it and reading it back, it really doesn't feel like that unusual or raw. Yeah. But when you watch the episode, it segment to segment was just well done, mm. um, and it was a nice to me. It was a nice episode, and percentage-wise, I feel like in this era that we've been in where Paul Heyman has been at Raw, the percentage of good episodes is certainly going up. Yeah. Word is also that Vince McMahon was not at Raw this week, which I thought was an interesting bit of of information. Um, SmackDown, we, I'm not going to have time to get into SmackDown this week. Um, next week, 
if I decide that Stack Guy Greg should come back, we'll talk about it. If not, maybe Leo, maybe yeah, are you free next week? I'll, yeah, you know, yeah, you can come free. back next week. I'm free. You're just hanging out with the kids. Yeah, it's a short train ride. Yeah. Well, no. Do you live in Florida or you live in DC? I live in Florida. How do you like Florida life versus DC? Uh oh, man. I mean, it's better. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about about that. Uh, but it's definitely. Uh, are you in Orlando? Yeah, I'm in Orlando. Okay. Yeah, the weather. The I don't know. The weather's been kind of like sticky lately. I don't. Well, really yeah. Like I mean, it. it's summertime in Florida yeah. still. Yeah, it's miserable. And you do have to watch out for like, hey, it's Florida, mm. so just weird things happen. Yeah. I'm gonna just be honest. It's Florida for yeah. God's sake. Animals. I don't trust the random animals that exist. No. Although the way the world is currently going, there probably won't be any animals soon. Yeah. In fact, it probably won't be inhabitable <laughs> by humans at all. Yeah. The rainforest may be gone by the next time you come on the show. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I appreciate you coming by and making time. I know it was a pain in the ass for us to square this actual time down, but I'm really glad we, we did it, and I hope we can do some more stuff in the future. Definitely. This was fun. This was um, fun. you have anything else you want to tell the Cheap Heat universe about what they can expect from Leo Rush? Anything else you want to tell your people out there? Oh, just uh, just expect the unexpected with me, as always. I feel like I'm always somewhere one minute and then somewhere else the next minute. And then uh, just stay tuned for more music. I'm still going to continue to do what I love doing. So uh, that's pretty much it. All right. So that is the man, Leo Rush. What's your uh, Twitter and Instagram handles? Twitter is it's Leo Rush. And then Instagram is Rush Leo Rush. Okay. It's yes, Leo sir. Rush and Rush Leo Rush. Yes, sir. Um, thank you, dude. Definitely. Um, Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. I know it was a little bit of a weird week. We didn't get to the mailbag or anything like that this week. Um, next week, I am going on vacation, but guess what? I believe I'm such a loser that before I go on vacation on Tuesday night, I am going to get you an episode of Cheap Heat. So everyone have a wonderful weekend. SGG, we need to have a serious conversation this weekend, all right? Welcome to the shoot, Arrow, baby. Today is the beginning of the shoot era of Cheap The only way to have fun is to take the gloves screw it. If I offend them, oh well. What I am going to do is call it down the line every single week. I know, I know. I love wrestling. So damn it, I am not giving up the podcast. Hell no, I'm doubling down and going the other way. Oh my goodness. It. Bring it on.